You are listening to the Next Best Picture podcast, and this is my interview with the writer and director for Let Him Go, Thomas Bezucha. You're going with me or without me? I saw exactly what I've always felt about Donnie Weeboy. And I saw that girl can't protect her child. Margaret Jimmy's her boy. He's your grandson. trying to locate a Donnie wee boy. He married our son's widow. Got our grandson with him. You let it be known you're looking for a wee boy. I'll find you. We thought we'd see Jimmy since we're in the neighborhood. Since you're in the neighborhood. Go careful. Where in the hell are we? see our grandson my boy doesn't have to answer to you and we don't have to answer to you (laughs) (laughs) come with us no he'd kill me him and his mother your grandson He's a wee boy now. You're with me on this, right? Right behind you. He hit Lorna. You hit your wife? Like... what she can't finish. Hello, everyone. I am here right now with the writer and director of the new film, Let Him Go, Thomas Bezucha, here on the Next Best Picture podcast, based on the 2013 novel of the same name by Larry Watson. Thomas, how are you doing today? I'm great. How are you, Matt? Doing well. Doing really, really well. Good. I want to actually first start off by asking you, uh, your previous films, Big Eden, Family Stone, Monte Carlo, mm-hmm. mostly within the romantic comedy uh, genre. Mm-hmm. And I'm just curious what drew you particularly to this story and uh, made it such a departure from your uh, previous film, Monte Carlo, from you know nine years ago at this point. Yeah, the, you know, you, it's funny. Um, it seems like a huge departure. Monte Carlo aside, it seems like a huge departure, but I, it's I don't think it was until I finished it that I realized that sort of Big Eden, Family Stone, um, I I wrote the screenplay for another movie, the Guernsey Literary Potato Peel Pie Society, that these are all sort of about family, which Mm. that seems like the the thread that runs through it. Yeah. And I like having a a really long dinner table scene in the middle of the movie. That seems (laughs) to be it. (laughs) I would say that's a signature move. Sure. And that dinner table scene, along with a couple of other scenes in this movie, are absolutely filled to the brim with tension throughout. Yeah. As a director and, you know, also writing the screenplay, can you Mm. uh, take us a little bit into the process of what goes into crafting tension in a scene? I, you know, I think it's, it's funny. I think it's about pace 
well, it's about stakes, like who who wants what and who's and also yep. not talking about the thing. It's always subtext for me. Um, but, you know, I'm sort of comparing it to the awkward Christmas dinner scene in Family Stone, um, and which is <laughs> yeah. full of a similar. I think it's le- there's less a, a threat of physical violence, but I think it's um, not. Not without its own tension. I like that because I think that comes across in this movie uh, when you're watching what Kevin Costner's uh, character yeah. uh, George wants in the scene versus what Margaret wants in the scene, and then what yeah. Blanche and her family also wants too. So yeah. I, I definitely think that that came across, especially in some of those really really tense scenes. Yeah, and in, in in that scene, it's one of my. It, I love it because as a writer, I love it because my favorite moments in that scene are the ones where there's no dialogue and it's just the skill of Kevin and Leslie and Diane Lane navigating the situation with just behaviorally without any dialogue and specifically Kevin and Diane navigating what she's going to do about this, um, this child. Leslie Manville yeah. kind of just comes into this movie and in my opinion steals every single scene that she's in and i wanted to ask you because this character is so much more uh larger than life i feel like than some of the other characters in this movie was there ever a conversation about how far do we push that character in terms of tone and getting it to fit in with the rest of the story the whole the whole time for sure um, I mean, it, it was something I was conscious of. Leslie was conscious of that. You didn't my, you know, you can tell me whether I was successful or not, but I didn't want to, you didn't want to pull the fabric too far in a different direction. Yeah. But that character, that Blanche character is, you know, she's in the novel and I kind of fell in love with her because she is very funny it, it, um, and theatrical. And mm-hmm. so it was sort of, you know, she also is not completely dissimilar to my father's mother. My my grandmother was, <laughs> you know, it's just kind of that battle axe kind of like looking for a fight, big personality. Yeah. Yeah. She's a performer. She's a per- Blanche. Her, Blanche herself is a performer. Yeah, no, I think that definitely comes across, too. And Leslie Manville, like I said, just absolutely kills it in this role. And I loved every single moment that she was on screen. In terms of the motivations of uh, the Wee Boy family, Mm -hmm. I was really curious because I was wondering, is it as simple as Donnie just wanting to have control over uh, Lorna Kaylee Carter's uh, Kaylee Carter's character, or is there mm-hmm. something more subtextual going on in terms of that family's motivations? Mm-hmm. Obviously, they're all in it together to try and protect their own. Yeah. And if one of them has a selfish reason for doing the things that he's doing, nobody's mm-hmm. going to bat an eyelash, and they're all going to jump to his defense. Mm-hmm. Or is there something mm-hmm. deeper going on? Well, it, it, it's not spelled out for sure. Um, sure. But, you know, Blanche, she, she didn't get invited to Donnie's wedding. Nope. She blames them, them for that. And in my mm-hmm. sense, my backstory for Donnie, which, you know, you can, everybody can invent their own, but it was that he had actually, it, it's a crazy, but he had tried to escape his family. 
I think. Mm. I, I always thought of Donnie as someone who couldn't escape his fate. That he wants to be, he wants George's respect, Kevin Costner's character. But he, you know, his mom found out he was married. She pulled him home. And now they're circling the wagons. And she, you know, she, Blanche, his mother, puts him to that test. Yeah. In a scene with Kevin. Yep. And, it, it, you know, she's she's keeping her family in one piece. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, it, it, so, you know, it's her and Margaret. I always thought were sort of, you know, the the both the opposite sides of the same coin. They're yeah. both doing the same thing. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Don't you know that you're a grown-up? I'm a grown-up. Me too. Yep, me too. But you know, these days, being a grown-up can really suck. Luckily, we're grown-ups who grew up in the coolest generation. We had video arcades. And also some of the best TV and movies ever made. We lived the origin of awesome consumer electronics. The list goes on and on. Yep, Generation X. Exactly. And we're Gen X Grown-Up. Every week, the Gen X Grown-Up podcast explores media, tech, toys, games, and more from both yesterday and today. Through the eyes of Generation Xers who absolutely love that stuff. You can find us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Or find us on our website, genxgrownup.com. All right, you think that was good enough? I I hope so, man. I'm tired. (laughs) Who listens to a promo on a podcast and then goes and listens to a different podcast? I've never done it. (laughs) Uh, Obviously, got to mention Kevin Costner, Diane Lane, your two leads of this movie. And uh, obviously, uh, (laughs) reuniting uh, the Superman family. So thank you for that. (laughs) Sure. Happy to do my part. But in terms of working with them and having them, uh, obviously having worked together yeah. in the past, uh, what was it like, uh, you know, just having them on set as these two yeah. really dominating forces uh, that know what they're doing, are very capable? What was it like working with them? It was easy, weirdly easy. Um, and I think I be- I benefited from them having been around the track a couple times together. Yeah. You know, they they had a, a, a camaraderie. They understood how each other work. I also had the enormous benefit of a week of rehearsal with just them. Oh wow! And wanting to really wanting to, I just what appealed to me about this project was it has this big thriller motor. But it was the opportunity to paint a portrait of a long marriage and just their relationship together. And, you know, I love the scenes where they don't say anything, but you get how they operate together. Yeah. In a year where there has been Hmm. honestly so much death across the country and yeah. There is a lot of hardship happening with uh, family members and the ties that we have to one another and learning to mm-hmm. uh, let go of the things that we cannot control. 
Um, how do you feel about the film being released mm-hmm. right now in the middle of this pandemic uh, when people are going through uh, a lot of the themes that your movie presents? Yeah, I mean, it's, I, I don't know. I, all I can say is there are themes that speak to me. And yeah. it's, you know, there's a, you know, the theme of hardship. And, you know, but I think when the world stops, you you quickly reassess the things that are most important to you. Mm-hmm. And I would imagine that family is top of everyone's list. Yeah. At least we hope so, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Top of my list. Sure. And so the film is being uh, released on November 6th from Focus Features. Um, I Mm -hmm. very much enjoyed the movie in a lot of different ways. Um, I was very surprised by how patient it was, uh, how introspective into the characters it was and their relationships with one another. Mm -hmm. And I really felt that that familial residence like really, really came through in a very powerful way uh, when all was said and done. So thank you very much for that. And um Really appreciate having you on today. Oh, no, I'm I'm glad. Thank you. Thank you, Tom. You have a nice day. You too. Bye-bye. Hey, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to my interview with the writer and director for Let Him Go, Thomas Bazucha, here on the Next Best Picture podcast, part of the Evergreen Podcast Network. You can subscribe to us on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn Player, FM, Acast, CastBox, and also on Spotify. Be sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and let us know what you think of the show. We really appreciate your feedback and your support, which you can lend on over at Patreon. For $1 minimum a month, you will get some exclusive podcast content from us. Thank you so much for listening, as always, and we shall see you all next time. Welcome to Novel Conversations, a podcast about the world's greatest stories. I'm your host, Frank Lavallo, and for each episode of Novel Conversations, I talk to two readers about one book, and together, we summarize the story for you. We introduce you to the characters, we tell you what happens to them, and we read from the book along the way. So if you love hearing a good story, you're in the right place. Our ninth season is coming this fall. Tune in to hear from some of the all-time great authors, Charles Dickens, Jules Verne, F. Scott Fitzgerald, and more. Subscribe to Novel Conversations wherever you listen to podcasts.